everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cisco Champion Radio. Today we are discussing what's new in the contact center. We have Kurt. Kurt, who are you? What do you do? Kurt May. Uh, I'm a business development manager with the contact center business unit. Fantastic. Carlos, who are you? What do you do? Carlos Guadamus. I am also a business development manager with the Cisco contact center business unit. Awesome. Paul, who are you? Paul Giblin, uh, Presidio Distinguished Engineer uh, with Presidio, as uh, you, you might imagine. I'm uh, you know, a bit of a generalist, and I cover everything from collaboration to route switch to security to wireless to coding, uh, you name it. Hi there, I'm Malcolm Budden. I'm a network architect working for an ISP uh, in the UK. And I'm Lauren Friedman, because I can't recall if I introduced myself already, um, and I'm also known as Lauren on the Twitters. So... Um, Kurt, you want to kick us off? What What's new, dude? What's uh, going on? Lots of cool stuff uh, going on with the contact center space. Um, a lot of interesting developments, uh, investments that we've ever seen. Uh, sure, absolutely. Okay. So, most recently, um, the acquisition of CloudCherry. So, if you talk about um, WebEx, excuse me, your experience management uh, capabilities inside of the customer servicing type space, uh, we acquired CloudCherry. And then also, um, the Voicea acquisition, which sits today kind of under WebEx and meetings, but the applications associated with Contact Center are huge and are being incorporated into our next release, 12.5, which is going to come out in the next several weeks. Uh, and then we've also introduced some fairly recent uh, capabilities and a new offer in, in WebEx Contact Center Enterprise. So lots of interesting stuff going on product-wise, development-wise, investment-wise. Really exciting time to be in Contact Center. And I'm doing kind of the Mr. Burns, ooh, hands. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So there's a word for that. I can't remember what it is. Gesticulation. Gesticulation. Okay, yes. we all learned a new word today. Hold on a second. <laughs> write that down. Can I Google that? <laughs> sure, go ahead. All right. All right. So, Kurt, one of the things you mentioned was customer experience management. Um, prior to preparing for this this session, I didn't know what that was. For other people who are listening to this podcast, uh, maybe you could share a little bit about what customer experience management is. Yeah, so I think if, if you look at it, it's um, a lot of it's found a foundation is uh, outside of the contact center in understanding you know what customers are doing as they go through their journey with a particular uh, enterprise, whether that is a servicing call, a sales call, uh, on their website, doing some type of e-commerce, uh, and any other social media type of, of, of presence. So what, we've, what, we're, what we're doing with experience management is, and that's been traditionally outside of Contact Center, uh, and a lot of the foundations come from uh, net promoter scores, you know, in doing that and understanding, surveying customers. So, you know, the, the famous question is, you know, would you be, you know, willing to, you know, recommend this customer service capabilities or products to your friends or family? Uh, and um, that's, you know, drives lots of what they call, you know, NPS scores, which is a big, you know, marker uh, in con contact center uh, customer satisfaction or it's another satisfaction uh, measurement capability. So, so we're taking kind of the cross section of experience management and, and bringing it into the contact center because there's so much synergies in understanding what happens before somebody even gets to a contact center. So being able to understand what they what they were doing before, maybe they got to a contact center agent, gives us that opportunity to better serve them. Um, so that cross-section becomes really interesting from a, a product uh, standpoint. Something wasn't working or they need help. Traditionally. Yes. People usually only call the contact centers. They don't call me like, last hey, resort. I love your product. Let's talk more. <laughs> that gets creepy. Yeah, yeah. So what, what, what channels are you able to track people across? I know personally when I'm having a, a poor customer service, ex, per, the service experience, 
uh, the first channel I usually reach out on is Twitter because it seems to be the one that I get the most responsiveness uh, from an agent on. So uh, I'm guessing you guys probably cover Twitter. You probably cover direct chat with agents, obviously phone calls. Uh, what, what other channels are out there that, that you integrate with and consume data from? The tool itself can connect up to 17 different touch points. That's what we pretty much call it. So it can be anything from Facebook to social media to chat to a website. The key is basically being able to get that information and make sense of that information. This is where the AI and machine learning come in. The AI and machine learning will give the business user or the customer experience manager insights of what they need to improve in order to get the outcome or desired results that they're looking for. So what, what kind of recommendations come out of that engine? Is it things like hire more people so that you get faster response time? Is it retrain this user because the sentiment of the customer in this, this conversation was pretty poor? Uh, what, what sort of things can people expect out of that? It, it can vary. Some of the things that I've seen is perhaps increasing the speed of a website in order to close a sale. And it'll give further insights into trends that are happening day in and day out. So you could go above and beyond of just these inputs or touch points that you're putting in, but changes that you can make along the way in order to improve these outcomes. Yeah, another way to look at it is um, we listen, we analyze the data, mm -hmm. then we predict. And that's where a lot of the magic happens, is being able to look at that information and be proactive in many cases with customers, whether that's when they're calling in uh, or they're emailing or chatting and be able to do something very different because we know a lot of what their experience was. So we could be extremely um, deliberate about what we're uh, anticipating they're gonna do. If you just had a problem and you were on the website placing an order, why would I torture you with necessarily walk walking through all the problems? Press one for sales, press two for service, press three for hearing a duck quack. Um, rather just lean, let me just take you and move you immediately to a set of agents or capabilities that specifically work on e-commerce ordering you know, and the like. So it's that predictability, and that's where applying machine learning really, or machine machine learning really, uh, you know, takes it to the next level. And, and that could be everything from proactive routing, proactive IVR, um, and even when you, um, you call gets to an agent, the ability now to apply that information and give agents those cues that more than likely, you know, in a screen pop, said this customer's calling for X, mm -hmm. be prepared for these things. So yeah, that, okay. Whenever I'm calling like my doctor's office and they don't know the answer. So they are like, oh, talk to so-and-so. Oh, I don't know the answer. So I always have to, you know, give them my date of birth and like other personal information. I know it might be a HIPAA issue, but how do you work there with that? Do you work with that? Do we work with that at all? Uh, so is this, if this is roadmap, you can just say it's roadmap. Uh, no, I mean, um, no roadmap. Uh, the platforms are HIPAA compliant. Okay. Right? Yeah. But how you apply the HIPAA compliancy is predicated on the individual circumstances mm -hmm. uh, about what you share and how you share it. Um, everybody has their own, own different rules, so that's that's never a problem. Okay. But as far as, you know, you said about, you know, they, they don't have answers and the like, the other, the other piece of the, the cool stuff that's coming out is, you know, specifically with the Voicea um, uh, integration. So that ability, if you haven't seen it, it, it could do those real-time transcriptions. So it's listening to the call, the caller and the agent. It's transcribing the information. So it can actually take that information at the same time based on keywords and phrasing and then use that to prompt information to agents. They said... You know, Ooh, I, I like this. I, I, I don't, you know, 
um, I don't know how to find my specialist, right? Yeah. You're talking to a doctor, so it could pop up a little note that says specialist could be found on a particular website or mm -hmm. uh, ask about your copay, any number of different things. It's really bringing that intelligence and making agents what, um, what folks are saying, super agents, right? Because it's pretty difficult. There's a lot of um, information they're asked to do. Uh, across the board, the simple things are done, you know, bring yourself service and, and be on the web. So when you, when you have to physically talk to somebody, it's usually something difficult. So the more we can empower agents, make them super agents, the better we all are. Do you sell capes with this uh, for the super agents? Uh, as an option? Yeah. Only. Okay. Right. Do we license it? Okay, anyway, sorry, uh, go on. That's, that's a recurring revenue stream. So <laughs> yeah, sure. on a subscription. Yeah, I'll go sit yeah. in the corner <laughs> with my dunce cap. So, uh, you know, just just bringing this back just a little bit, one of the things that uh, you know was talked about in the keynote by Sri was this whole concept of cognitive collaboration, which we talked about with the AI and ML. But uh, going a step further with uh, you know some of the security focus, um, aside from just being HIPAA compliant, what are some of the other security mechanisms wrapped around these solutions? So from a PCI perspective, uh, a number of different uh, you know capabilities to you know protect customers' information, uh, guard them from exposing you know, credit card numbers, social security numbers, uh, in conjunction with the platform itself or in combination with uh, working some of our ecosystem partners. So when you think about uh, things like uh, compliance, there's also issues around call recording, which is huge. Uh, so being able to work with those vendors like a Verant and like a Calabrio to make sure that uh, they're also participating in the process based on the information that's being collected, uh, triggers from the desktops. It says if I'm collecting a credit card number, um, once I start typing in a credit card number in from a customer, I am turning off the call recording, so that gets hashed out. You never see it again. So there's a variety of you know measures around uh, security, and we are also uh, in the process of pursuing uh, FedRAMP as we speak. Okay. Uh, you know, Ooh. which is you know highly uh, interesting and um, long time coming. You know, so there's a massive opportunity inside the uh, government space, uh, not only you know in the in the U.S. but in, in other countries as well as you know, security, uh, privacy laws, GDPR, how are becoming, you know, a standard across the board. The industry has to constantly keep up. Awesome. So I want to take a, a bigger level look here. Uh, you know, we talked before our, our session started here, and you mentioned that uh, WebEx Contact Center Enterprise is, you know, a fresh announcement. Uh, Cisco's got a huge portfolio of Contact Center products. So on premise, there's things like Contact Center Express. There's Package Contact Center Enterprise. There's you know full on Contact Center Enterprise. Um, you know, help me understand and help the folks who are listening to this podcast understand. Um, you know, what is WebEx Contact Center Enterprise? What makes it different? What makes it better? Who are the right customers? And that's. 30 part question that you told me not to do. So I'll, I'll ask each one of those. We have a 30 part answer. All right. Oh dear. <laughs> and everyone who's listening, if your brain's just exploded, you know how to reach Paul on the Twitters. Go ahead. So, uh, new announcement this week, WebEx Contact Center Enterprise. At the highest level, it is meant for 2,000 agents and up. Ooh. <clears throat> the offer itself is based on Contact Center Enterprise 12.5. You're going to get all of the features that you need in terms of voice, chat, and email. You're going to get the integrations that you're looking for, the set of APIs if you're integrating into any other systems. Um, the data centers themselves, these are data centers that are Cisco owned and Cisco operated. So going back to your security question, we can add a little bit of more meat onto that. You know, We are abiding by our policies and our rules when it comes to this cloud contact center. 
Um, for the most part, there will also be add-ons that you can do for this solution as well. You can add on SMS, you can add on social media, and is there anything else in terms of add-ons that I'm missing? There's so we're including um, inside the offer that's, that, that we will host, maintain, and manage um, um, ecosystem partners like Verant um, and Calabria for the WFO suite, uh, Nuance for automated speech recognition and text-to-speech, uh, we're adding Booker & Suter, uh, a very good uh, Cisco partner for uh, their variety of their CRM connectors that they bring to bear, Salesforce, ServiceNow, um, Microsoft Dynamics, which is certainly big inside the contact center space, um, WebText, which uh, Carlos mentioned for uh, supporting SMS, and then Aquion, which is uh, our list and campaign management capability. Uh, those will be options, you know, available, uh, orderable differently, you know, different, different prices, those types of things. Um, uh, the core agents are orderable today, and the add-on options we expect to be orderable in CCW by the end of February. So, so very... if this gets published after then, then we can just be like, oh, it's already there. It's We're, we're, we're open for business, All right. I like to say. <laughs> Boom. Done. <laughs> we'll take in all conversations. So it sounds like what I'm hearing is that you take all the complexity uh, that, that comes with owning your own contact center enterprise installation on-premise – and managing what can be tens, uh, you know, potentially I guess hundreds of, of servers, and you're taking that complexity and and bringing it in house for Cisco to manage, and you're providing the same solution as a service to Cisco customers. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a great point because I think one of the reasons why we we looked at, at at bringing an offer like this to market, you know, is exactly that reason. So we're seeing, and it's been fairly well tested with a variety of different customers globally. Um, Customers are being asked to get out of the infrastructure business. As I like to say, they don't want, they don't want to talk about the green blinking lights in the in, in the uh, uh, you know in the racks in the data centers any longer. Uh, they want everybody to be focused on business outcomes, and there's nothing not you know not a much better way to facilitate that by taking the not the drudgery. All right, the drudgery, the drudgery. Uh, racking, <laughs> stacking, maintaining, managing patching, upgrading, all the, those types of things. The whole data center team is like shuddering off in the corner. Go on. Yeah, but they don't, I don't think, <laughs> I, I think the, you know, where, where Contact Center lives is really focused on, on business outcomes. It really mm -hmm. is, a, is, as much as we spend our time inside of IT, the real, the real uh, driver for Contact Center from an application standpoint is really with the, whether it's the chief marketing officer, the chief uh, experience officer inside the Contact Center itself, director of customer service, the supervisors. I mean, that's really where we spend most of our time, the traditional contact center people. We love IT, but, you know, it doesn't really happen there. So, so, and I know it hurts, <laughs> yeah. but it's okay. Um, and so, most people like it. So. Yeah, so I was going to ask a question on that. So WebEx Contact Center Enterprise, right? Is, it, is that um, for WebEx customers or does it integrate with, like, CUCM? So infrastructure. So branding wise, yeah. we, we chose to keep in line with the WebEx nomenclature for one predominant reason. Uh, in addition to just providing what you know what's described as traditional contact center enterprise inside of data centers, there's also an, a, a massive leverage of the of, of, of leveraging the WebEx. Uh, infrastructure and capabilities mm -hmm. through a lot of these cloud-delivered services. So CloudCherry, 
or what they're calling WebEx Experience Management, is a cloud-delivered service. What we see as a cloud-delivered service. Analyzer is a cloud-delivered service. Um, the uh, CCIA, which is the, the Contact Center Artificial Intelligence, the partnership that we have with Google, is going to be a cloud-delivered service. We're leveraging the WebEx cloud to deliver those. Mm -hmm. So you can see that from a business unit standpoint pretty consistently, you know, that ca new capabilities, not that we're not going to still develop and maintain and uh, provide innovation uh, on our core platforms, but a lot of the surround, you're going to start seeing, you know, part of those cloud-delivered services. Make sense? Yeah. Yes. I made that up. <laughs> so, Carlos. Your sales I'm, background, huh? I'm going to put you in the hot seat here, Let's Carlos. So I, I did a little homework before we uh, started this session, and I took a look at your LinkedIn profile, and uh, I know you, you come from a 19-year background with yes. a, uh, a very strong competitor in the market, and you've been with Cisco about nine months now. Uh, what brought you over, and, and what has you most excited about these solutions? And got how got up. It got knocked up. <laughs> you asked what brought him. We got it. Sorry, that got creepy. Um, that so, creepy. so what brought you over here? What brought you over here? What has you really excited? And how is this solution differentiated from other competitors in the market? What makes you unique? All right, let's start from the very top. What, what happened first? I stopped drinking the Kool-Aid is, is what happened. I had a couple friends that came over from the same company, and they helped me stop drinking the Kool-Aid. They showed me the light. I came, I, I asked them to give me a demo. Show me a demo, show me what this stuff can do. And I realized that this stuff could do more than what I was used to selling. And it was more than it was just, just a unified communication aspect, it was real, it can be done. And at that point when I first came over, WebEx contact center was still in its infancy. And I felt that I could come in and I could contribute to the team and help give strong strategy so that we can start bringing this to market and help make sense and start having a stronger presence in the contact center world. Awesome. So so differentiators, what do you do differently mm -hmm. from uh, some of the other, uh, we're in a Cisco Champions podcast, so I'm not even going to say their names, but uh, we, we know that there's a couple other cloud contact center providers out there. How is WebEx contact center enterprise going to beat them into the dirt? Oh my. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> so, champions. Yeah, I'm getting a little violent <laughs> so, there, my friend. What I would say first and foremost is that WebEx Contact Center Enterprise is not going to compete with traditional public offering cloud, traditional cloud or pure cloud providers. Um, because it, it, one way to look at it is there's a multi-tenant public cloud capability, the 8x8s, the 5.9s, the in-contacts and, and, and the like, um, versus WebEx Contact Center Enterprise is multi-instance, private cloud. And we have seen that there are customers that, by and large, uh, and, and we can cite chapter and verse, where they're just because of complexities, backend integrations, compliance, security-related issues, are never going to go with a public cloud, multi-tenant type of offer. A lot of restrictions. Uh, yes, there's a lot of open APIs, those types of things, but there's a lot of other restrictions around those. So, so there's a very specific market for those customers that don't fit there, but want something that is a cloud-delivered capability with the security, um, flexibility, uh, carrier uh, resilience, active-active um, uh, capabilities that, that WebEx Contact Center already bring to bear that no one else is going to do. So there's probably only a couple of corollaries from a competitive standpoint that we'll go look at. Uh, you know, and, and, and quite frankly, it's really only one that comes close to meeting that. That's maybe where 
No, we're not. We're not saying from, their name. We're not saying their name, but <laughs> Flex, flexibility is the one that really jumped out at me. That's yeah. that, that's huge. That's absolutely huge. And it, and it is. But that's where you know. That's why we're you know. If you look at it from a portfolio standpoint, you have WebEx Contact Center, you know, which is a um, multi-tenant uh, public cloud uh, capability, and now we have WebEx Contact Center Enterprise. But again, all of those same um, WebEx delivered, you know, multi-tenant cloud services and enablement is going to be across the entire portfolio, including the premise capabilities. So this is really going to be a game changer on how we continue to go to market and, and delivering these capabilities on a going forward basis. So if you think about it, we're going to hit just about any, anybody, any customer's requirements across the board. So let's talk about specialization a little bit. Um, you know, the, the requirements for a contact center agent in a healthcare environment, uh, like Lauren mentioned earlier, um, I have a whole bunch of healthcare clients that are hospital systems. Uh, some of them are very, very large. Um, and, and their agents have a certain set of requirements uh, that, are, that are differentiated, like complying with HIPAA and things like that and PCI, uh, versus somebody like uh, an airline uh, might have. What, what specialized vertical use cases do you guys have baked for day one? So I think if you look at the healthcare space, I think the, um, the specialization is really in um, the integrations that take place with the EMRs. So the um, uh, McKesson's, uh, the Cerner's, uh, the Epic's, Epic probably being the 1,200-pound gorilla <laughs> in the EMR space. And um, we, we successfully, in working with partners, have built a fairly aggressive set of capabilities you know, with Epic, both from a contact center perspective and also from a UCS perspective. I don't know if you've seen those types of things where you know, we've kind of standardized on uh, compute and delivery approaches for, for Epic. Uh, and then from a contact center uh, perspective is provide those connectors that allows agents to log into Epic and it has them log into the contact center because that's where they're going to work most of their time inside of Epic. So it allows them to leverage all of the features functionality that, that comes with that vertical specialization and then still have Cisco behind the scenes that's doing the routing uh, of all of the transactions, voice, email, chat, whatever it happens to be, and doing the reporting, which is hugely important from a contact center perspective. And I think that's really where it is. So um, we're not trying to battle the desktops, right? We want, we want to go to where people live, uh, and but then provide that, that high level routing and more importantly, the reporting capability so uh, they can be managed across the board. Awesome. Malcolm, you've been quiet. Just uh, taking it all in. I could add a little bit more color to what he was actually saying too. A couple other things I'd like to add. So power of the partner, right? Our partners help us get into these specific use cases. They have the experience necessary in each of the different verticals. Uh, second to that is our ability to uniquely connect into, unif into the unif unified communications world. So I call into my doctor. I reach a nurse, right? And she tells me, well, uh, I'm going to have to, uh, if I didn't have a connected solution, what would I have to do? please call this number instead and I'll hang up on you. With a connected solution, you call the contact center and then you get a subject matter expert, so a doctor in this case, or maybe you reach a banking professional and you need to reach the branch manager. So it's another benefit to uh, being under that entire Cisco umbrella. That's fantastic. What about uh, video solutions? Have you been in the contact center? <laughs> I've been in, not. I've been know, in many sweaty, gross contact centers, yes. Faces made for radio. <laughs> Um, we might need to take that out. That was very... That was mean, man. <laughs> yeah, I come to all the contact, contact center, center agents out there, I'm very sorry. Oh, okay. I mean, I started in the contact center. I know. You know, so... Yeah, I and I can, I, I can attest to it. Um, <laughs> listen, from a, a video standpoint, 
I think there was a big, huge buzz about video, and I think that bubble has burst. Um, the exceptions are probably telemedicine, mm-hmm. you know, where you would route uh, because there's that high specialization uh, in financial services, you know, that ability to do one-to-many um, branch um, specific applications where, you know, a particular branch in a, in a particular banking industry doesn't have a mortgage broker, but the mortgage broker sits in a different branch location servicing 10 other ones. So now you can leverage those those video capabilities. And many of those are point to point. We can still route them on video. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, you know, the days of the, you know, I'm going to I'm going to ring you up and expect to have a video call from a contact center perspective. I don't think really exist. I think it's still going to be those super highly personalized and functionalized capabilities that, that are yeah, yeah I'll admit I don't want to be on video when I'm no. calling for support on something so I, I have to like, tell I you I don't want to like have people look at me I don't want to be on video you want to see them but I do want to see somebody else yeah that's, that's mm-hmm. a and again I go back to yeah. my previous comment I, I don't I don't need to that's mean. I don't need to evaluate what they look like but if I'm on the flip side of that conversation and I'm able to see the reactions of the contact center agent that might influence how I feel about the company I'm working with yeah but they also so for people try multitasking right yeah as a contact center it could be as a contact center guy for over three decades I would tell you that's it's a scary proposition um, it can be done uh, it has to be done extremely well the screening processes for people to do video versus everything else you know changes dynamically um, many people will not translate well uh, from voice to, to video. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I say translate well, meaning they just, because whatever it is, they have that fear of being on video, it's just going to change the way they operate. Uh, you have to think about environmentals. So there's got to be, you know, if you're sitting there like we are here and you see behind me constant people walking back and forth, distraction. So you have to set up, the, you have to have the HR processes and the environmental processes to be able to support it. And it, and it can be done well. And, and, it, and it is done well in many cases. But I don't think it's going to become the, the nirvana uh, that I think we were thinking about maybe four and five years ago when we were talking about it. You have um, to teach people not to roll their eyes. I know. At yet another user. Yeah. Like- but there's a really interesting use case. I mean, we could even apply it to today telemedicine right but that's not like a, that's more like out. yeah but that's like an actual doctor or nurse you want to yeah. see and i which is very different is, from a contact a center person okay okay, okay so sorry let me tell you you tell your story three weeks ago i i caught the flu i hit 103 degrees jesus 104 away from me. <laughs> I started going up and everyone's moving away. everybody's clearing the room he's got ricola on the table <laughs> i called the hospital and they said we can't take you because we're too full so everyone was getting sick before the coronavirus broke Maybe I was the first. Anyhow, they offered me to meet over video. And I said, well, I have a laptop. And I said, sure. And so they had a WebRTC solution, which is completely supportable out of the browser, something we can do today with WebEx teams. We use that API. I could come and demo, demo it to you if you guys want to come and see it. But the use case is there for that to happen, where you want to keep people at home. You can diagnose them from home, and you could have them go to a pharmacy and get the medicals, medical uh, medicine that they need. That's awesome. That's awesome. So the message is we can do video, but we don't do video. All right. So <laughs> before we beat that horse, um, I think we should wrap up because sure. I think this was awesome and I learned a lot. I, I love the face you're making at me. For those at home, he's making a quizzical and concerned face. All right. Um, thank you, guys. It's been very cool. Yes. And for all our listeners, just know you can find Cisco Champion Radio wherever podcasts are not sold. sold. Free. I know. I hate that. Ugh. Free. Coming to a region near you. 